This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 104 of the Rebel Author Podcast. I can't believe... So 104 means two years. This is officially the two-year anniversary. Um, So I know I have been entirely lax about uh, celebrating 100 episodes. (laughs) And we're at 104 and officially two years. And I'm still... uh, I haven't done it. Um, But I do have some things in the works uh, that I am thinking about doing. um, And uh, I just need to clear the decks. I'm sort of... um, blocking off next week to clear off a lot of things that I owe other people and um, then I will have a bit more time uh, for myself uh, to create more uh, content and things for you guys. Um, But more on that in the personal section. Uh, So today I am talking to Gillian Yetta all about working with audiobook narrators and if I say so myself this is a darn good episode. I am very excited for this episode. I absolutely adored speaking to Gillian. Um, So yes, I am very excited and I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did. But first to last week's question, which was, uh, do you have a three word rebellion or a tagline for your business? So on Patreon, Matt said, my three words are educate, inspire, entertain. I know that's possibly a little broad. Uh, It doesn't narrow things down in the way that you've discussed during this excellent interview, but it does allow me the breadth to do my children's picture books which aim to entertain and educate uh, non-fiction course education and YA uh, slash adult novels which will hopefully entertain and poems songs card cards posters some of which will come under the inspiration section on Facebook, Meg Jolly said, I have never done this before. I listened to the podcast, scurried over to Michelle's website, took the quiz, brought the book, listened to the whole episode again. Colour me intrigued. Great guest, fantastic concept, and I can't wait to deep dive. I don't have a three-word rebellion, but I am trying so hard to distill what I'm about. I have threads and common themes in what people feed back to me, but I'm not there yet. Thanks for sharing, ladies. And what I will say is that in the book, she does have exercises so um, if you are struggling but you do have some threads then I would definitely uh, think about doing the exercises that are in her book as they she really asks the right questions to prompt you uh, into thinking like helping you think uh, uh, about the three word rebellion. Edwin Downward said, as of this moment, I don't even know where to begin. Nothing I heard sparked any epiphanies or otherwise pointed me in any direction to begin looking. I can say I've been burnt attempting this kind of thing in the past, which is no doubt clouding my vision. I think it's interesting how you can have two people have um, completely different reactions to uh, the same episode. Um, So, yeah, and I do hope that you like find a way to to find those uh, words that help you um, find your three-word rebellion, Edwin. Okie dokie. This week's question is, what is your relationship with audiobooks? So I used that um, 
phrase because I suppose I, I want it as broad as possible. So like, I guess, do you guys listen to audiobooks? If you do, do you listen to nonfiction? Do you listen to fiction? Do you only listen to one or the other? Um, yeah, like maybe you narrate your audiobooks. Tell me, like, what is your relationship with audiobooks? Okay, so the book of the week this week is Some Girls Do by Jennifer uh, Dugan. Dugan? Dugan. D-U-G-A-N. Um, this is fiction. And, um, oh my goodness me. So I talk a little bit about this on the Next Level Authors podcast uh, this week. But this is a young adult lesbian uh, romance novel. And... On the Next Level Authors podcast, what I say is that I am realising more and more that I have had some kind of disconnect with fiction for quite some time. And I didn't realise it until I spent some time reading young adult, um, lesbian specifically, uh, books this year. Now, it's not that I don't enjoy straight romance or, or or books with straight characters in it I do um and I even ship some of the characters you know and I, I want those things to happen those you know I want them to get together or whatever but I the last few young adult lesbian romance books that I have read I have felt on a much much deeper level and I think that that is telling me something and it also shows me and reminds me why representation is so important and um it is it i just find it interesting that you know that is the love that i have in my life and so i guess i see myself in those books i don't know but i am definitely like i felt like an overwhelming amount of emotion um reading the book with in a way that I haven't felt for a really really long time reading and I don't know I'm still not sure if it's because you know it was two women or if it was because it was just a really good book um I have a feeling that it's the the romance um but I'm not sure so one of the things that I want to do this next week is to create a list of um young adult books that have lesbian lesbian characters or bisexual characters. Um, I already have quite a few books with gay characters and trans characters and um, I read and enjoy them, but I am noticing that it is a very clear difference with the way that I feel over um, like lesbian or bisexual characters. So if anybody listening has a recommendation, um, Whilst I will probably create a separate list for adult stuff, I am really specifically looking for young adult lesbian or bisexual um, books. So I would be really grateful if um, you do know them or you've read some, um, if you would like message me on Instagram at Sasha Black Author or drop me an email um, to uh, the Rebel Author Podcast at gmail.com. Um, I think it's actually just rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I'd be super grateful because I would like to create this big list to kind of do the reading as a bit of an experiment to see what it is that's drawing me to that. 
Um, and I suppose the other realization that I have had based off of this is that I really, really need to um, write young adult, like lesbian characters books so I think after I have finished the Keeper series that is all I'm gonna write for a little while just to see like how what that does to me and like my mindset my happiness uh, whilst writing and so um you know I need to think about how I can change Murdering Magicians because that was a woman and a, and a and a guy originally um I've as I think you already know that I've already changed the scent of death so that is now LGBT um so yeah, I'm going to really look at how I can change some of the things that I've been preparing in the background to write uh, to see what happens. Um, but yeah, this has been a very interesting thing. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else who, like maybe if anybody listening is um, like marginalized or if you um, there is something about you and you found a niche that you um, really connect with, I would really like to hear about it. I would like to hear about your experience and why that happened, what what the thing, like how it made you feel, why you think you connected with that niche so, so much. Um, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's Danish books or maybe it's, I don't know, mythology. I don't know, just, yeah. If you have a thing that you have connected with on a really deep level, I would I would like to know why. Um, so yes, as I said, <laughs> getting back to the point, which was the book recommendation of the week, Some Girls Do by Jennifer Dugan. And it is a young adult uh, contemporary romance about um, a girl um, who is a runner, competitive runner, and a and she has to change schools because her school's not accepting of her sexuality, and then a pageant, a a car fixing, uh, like pageant mechanic who so she does like you know Miss America those kinds of competitions, and it's like an enemies to lovers uh, story, and there is a bit of insta love in there. But um, I really didn't mind it, to be perfectly honest. I just, I loved it. I think I read like the last 200 pages last night and I stayed up really late, which is why I'm so tired today. <laughs> but I couldn't help it. I just adored the story. So yeah, anyway, I'm done rambling on this. But um, yeah, please do message me. I'll be really curious to see um, if anybody else has ever had a realization like this or an experience like this. Okay, so in personal news and update, um, I am in a giant uh, book sale with some of my lovely, fellow writers. So Jenna Morrissey uh, is organising it. So um, her books are discounted. Keepers is discounted. Um, Iona Wayland, uh, Helen Scheurer, who was on an episode recently, uh, Daniel Wilcox, and my very good friend, Ka uh, Caitlin Duncan, um, is also, uh, her new book, actually, uh, Soul Taken, is... Uh, on discount as well. So um, if you love, and this is kind of the remit um, uh, of the group, so dark and dangerous books, um, dark fantasy, horror, dark kind of adventures and bloodshed, um, things like deadly politics, forbidden magic, forbidden love and romance, demonic creatures, fights for survival, soul reapers. If that sounds good to you, then you can find out more about each of the books um, at jennamoresi.com forward slash book hyphen sale and I will put a link to that in uh, the show notes so yeah all of our books are 99p and it's just for about uh, just I think it's like a day over a week something like that so in other news then um 
yeah, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I've been sort of having these feelings about kind of niching down genre-wise and writing-wise. Um, and also, I'm overcommitted. So I'm feeling really cross with myself because, um, like, I looked at my to-do list this week and writing wasn't even on it. And I'm supposed to be a writer. So I am massively pissed off with myself. Um, I've gotten to the point where, like, I can't really remember the last time I sat and wrote for, you know, multiple days. So I'm thinking about um, just disconnecting from everything for a little bit. Like, even if I just did it for a week, I think it would really help me. Um so this next week I've got to finish off some presentations I've got to finish off um, the audiobook I've got to do some freelance stuff I've got consult consultations um yeah just like emails a whole bunch of stuff that isn't wording and I need to get all of that done because I am desperate at this point like having these realizations about the stuff that I want to write is obviously making me want to write and the fact that I've got um you know, like so many other things to do is really frustrating. Um, of course, I'm super grateful and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to do some of these things, but it's a real, I'm feeling a real pull uh, to back to wording. And so I just need to get rid of anything that isn't wording for a little bit just to keep my sanity I think so the end of this year I have um this past week I printed out tray um and I sorted out what was causing the block I think and I've got two chapters that need massive overhaul and um the rest of it is still quite minor so I'm working my way through that printed um document so I'm just adjusting my sitting position um yeah so I am working through the 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 printed document which I don't normally do normally I do all of my edits online but I just needed to shunt my brain into a different headspace and that has actually really helped this time um I might not get all the way through the end of the printed document uh, just because now I have figured out the problem I just want to go fix it um but yeah anyway so uh, what else? Ah, oh, this sodding audiobook. <laughs> oh my goodness me. Oh, I have learned so many things. I really desperately, really desperately want to do a roundup, um, like a proper mini episode on the audiobook, specifically just on the audiobook, because I have learned so goddamn much. It is insane. Uh, so many mistakes. And I am going to be recording The Anatomy of Prose in audio once I've finished um, Villains. And I think... I don't know, if I can carve out some time next week, then I'm hoping it will be done next week. And I think I've probably said that every week for like the last month, but genuinely, I have five sections left to correct and then the corrections from the proofer and then it is going to the masterer and then it gets uploaded. So um, we are really, really close to the end now. Um, but yeah, I will definitely... <laughs> make all the mistakes I made this time uh with with, with it uh, with the anatomy of prose um there was one other thing what was the other thing that I was supposed to be talking about ah uh, yes the rebel author <laughs> diaries right so I have now finished reading all of the stories um we have finished we we did like a first round cull uh nobody has been notified yet actually I was meant to notify people last week and um I didn't uh, get around to doing it because uh, we just wanted that flexibility because there were a few stories that almost made it into the second round 
Um, and until we sort of read the second round stories, we weren't sure whether or not we'd want to bring them back up. Um, but so everybody should be getting notified very, very soon. And actually, probably by the time this airs, you may already know the results. So um, that the second round got culled from, so there was almost 100 stories, I think, between 80 and 100 stories uh, that got submitted. And then um, we culled it to about 25 stories for the second round. And then we're now at this current point in time down to about 16. Um, and this is, where it, this is where it gets even tougher. So it, it was actually really tough. There were some incredible stories and um, it was, you know, that there was a mix in in the in the original full amount, but um, even cutting down to twenty five, I would say there was probably another twenty stories that could have been, um, you know, taken through to that that second round. So um, wherever you are, whether you've been um, accepted into the anthology, whether you got through to the second round, whether um, you didn't make it to the second round, uh, you should be proud of yourself because every single story has been read. And, um, you know, we, in discussion uh, with the other judge, we have, you know, found something wonderful in each and every single story that we've read. So I just want everybody to be very proud of themselves and like A, for taking the time to do it, B, for submitting and C, for the fact that we actually found something amazing in every single story. So that just goes to show, you know, that all of you, um, you are wonderful writers. And yeah, thank you so much for the honour and the privilege of getting to read all of your stories. I am very excited to um, take those uh, stories through to the finished thing. And um, I will be contacting uh, everybody uh, in the next week. And I should then be able to give a bit more uh, clarity on the timelines. I, I am reluctant to talk about um, publication month just yet because uh, all of the stories will go through developmental edits then they'll go uh, the, then those stories will go back to the authors to um, just tweak and then they'll get edited by a proofer uh, you know and then there's formatting all the marketing prep and all of that stuff so yeah I, I don't want to it's not going to be this year it won't be published this year um, it will be next year but I am not going to give a specific date just yet Okay, I think that is probably it on the um, personal update. Um, bit of a long one this week, so sorry about that, everybody. Um, actually, no, I'm not. It's my show. I'll, I'll do a longer intro if I want. Uh, okay, anyway, Rebel of the Week this week is Mel. Mel says, I work in tech support. Over three years, my job grew to data admin, reporting, training, and managing the document system. I began to feel I was doing rather a lot, especially as the company doubled in size. Whoa. The, the company bosses said they wanted to add me to a new team. I got excited thinking I would finally get promoted, but no, they wanted me to do yet more work for nothing. I said, please change my job title from assistant then, because this is no longer an assistant role. They bewildered at me and uh, suddenly being difficult and asked change to what? I did some research about what they wanted me to do and suggested analyst. The answer eventually came back, no. I may do some things above an assistant level, but an assistant, I would stay. No promotion. They didn't even want to credit me with a change in job title. Bastards. Six months later, tomorrow is my final day at the company. Yay! 
everyone keeps telling me not to leave. On Monday, I will be starting my new job as an analyst. They had their chance. I love this story. Fuck them. I literally don't understand why like that mindset around that bosses have. Like if you have good people and it's really quite obvious that you've increased their workload, that you've increased what they do, why the fuck wouldn't you change their job title to give them that, um, the credit they deserve and to keep their morale boosted? And like, do you not want people to work well for you? This is what I fucking hate about companies and corporate organizations, like treating their staff like shit. Well, fuck you. They lost you, Mel. And I am so glad that you are starting a new job. I think this is a fantastic uh, rebellion. So thank you so, so much for um, sending that in and for your lovely comments in the email as well. I really appreciate that. If you would like to be a rebel of the week, then please do send in your story. Please do. Um, as always, we are always in need of more stories. It can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or something in between. You can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or Instagram me at Sasha Black Author. No new patrons this week, but a big, gigantic, squishy, love-filled thank you to all my existing patrons. Um, if you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, as well as bonus content, blooper reels, occasional uh, random extra things, then you can uh, from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And there is still time to join me for the last little bits of silent September as well. A big thank you to all of the patrons who have upped their pledge um, and joined the Rebel Readers Group. So welcome to Scott Kavanagh, Jen Roundell, uh, Herman Sternagel, and Matt Goodall. Um, if you would like to join the Rebel Readers Group, uh, what that is, is every quarter we are going to be reading a book together and dissecting it. And then I will give a mini masterclass uh, dissecting what the author has done well, how you can uh, use the tools and techniques that that author has used in your own writing as well. It's like a super high powered masterclass based on the deconstruction of one book in particular. And this quarter we are going to be reading Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klum. Right, woo, that was a big old intro this week. Thank you all for sticking with me uh, because trust me when I say this is a corking episode. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am joined by Gillian Yetta. Gillian is a high school teacher turned narrator with nearly three years of narrating experience. Her bright personality is present in every performance as she breathes life into each story. Her, her vocal tone is warm, youthful and engaging. She specialises in character voices and is well suited for titles with protagonists in their teens and twenties. Her primary titles are young adult, sweet romance, rom-com, children's and fantasy, but she is comfortable with narrating a variety of genres. Her samples and contact information will be linked in the show notes so you can find out more about Gillian uh, by clicking those. So so thank you for joining me. 
Thank you so much for having me. So I asked you to come on the show by special request from one of my patrons. <laughs> so a big thank you uh, to Cassie for recommending you. Um, and I had a lot of fun in your Instagram listening to all of the different voices and like when you put on the princess voice I was like damn she's good like <laughs> it was so cool so I highly recommend everyone goes and checks out your Instagram to see how amazing your voices are um would you like to tell everyone a little bit like about you and your journey and how you got to where you are today Yes, um, actually, it was quite an unexpected journey, to be honest. Um, I went to college to be an English teacher. So I went to, I got my master's degree in education, and I taught at a high school English classroom, teaching literature and writing and all that for 10 years. And it was, it is to this day, my passion. It is everything that I love in this world. And I can't stand when people complain about teenagers because I love them and I adored my job probably had over 5,000 students over the course of 10 years, um, just interacting with them and working with them in different ways. And I loved it. Unfortunately, in 2019, 18 to 19, I had um, several episodes of a chronic illness that we could not get maintained. Um, and it's still not as well maintained today as I would like it to be. And I had to leave on disability which was absolutely devastating because it was, you know, my livelihood and something I thought I'd be doing for the rest of my life. So I found myself very bored because the life of a high school teacher is often quite exciting. And I was just home told to rest and get better. And there, there really was no getting better, but you know, I was, I was trying to feel better. And I actually, when I wasn't feeling well, started listening to audiobooks because I was a little biased against them because they were always used as a supplemental material when I was teaching for struggling learners. So I would provide them with the audiobook if they struggled with the with the physical book. But when I was in that state of unable to physically read the book myself because my energy just wasn't there, audiobooks really became a safe haven for me. Then once I started feeling a little better, I wanted to be a part of it. And that became a passion, passion project for me as something that could help me link me to my previous life. And I love it. So I started really getting into it in the spring of 2019 is when I left my job and, and really just started doing this. And yeah, now this is what I do. <laughs> I love it. I love, I'm like completely mesmerized listening to you as well, because all that, like, I've listened to some of the samples that you've like sent me as well to some of the audiobooks that you've um, put on, uh, on various channels. And um, it's fascinating to like hear you talk naturally and to hear like the tone, but also your voice is so different in so many of the audiobooks. Like my mind is blown how you, how you do that. And yet you have this really lyrical lovely tone I can't believe you didn't naturally fall into this like first it seems yeah it's <laughs> it's yeah anyway um, my mind is blown um okay so I think you know we're here to talk about narration how authors should work with narrators um I guess like the processes of working with a narrator so could you walk listeners through 
like a high level process. So from from somebody wanting to work with a narrator through to um, like finished product loaded onto the stores, like what is a high level process? Okay, all right. So I'm going to give this from my three year narrator experience with working it with the independent side of things. So it is very different when you go to a publisher. Um, so I'm going to speak from an independent side of things, which most of my work, uh, probably about 30 of my 36, 37 books is independent. So the first thing I always tell authors is to research the distributor. So if, sorry. So one thing you need to figure out is who am I going to be doing this book through? And that's where I always say to look to start because there'll be a different process with each place that you choose. Now, one of the most popular choices is acx.com, which is the audiobook creation exchange. And it's made by Amazon. So it links directly to your Amazon profile. You get on there. There is a bank of, I think it's insane. I think it's like 11,000 narrators, which, you know, no pressure for me. That's not, that's not terrifying being up against 11,000 different people. It might be less. I might be exaggerating, but who cares? So once you get on ACX, they break down the process for you. Now, there are other options as far as distributors. You can go more independent routes. But for somebody first starting out, I'd say that's the first place to look as far as to get the standard of what is what is the audiobook world look like and what, what will this entail? There are other ones, um, Audiobook Unleashed, um, Spoken Realms, there's Find Away Voices, many others that you could research. I could send out a list if you need. Um, and that's often what I do the first time authors contact me, I say. Look, look for the distributor first. Then you're going to want to find your narrator. And it's great to be specific with what you're looking for for your narrator because the books that don't really have much detail about how the character sounds, it makes it harder for the narrators to distinguish, is this book for me or not? If someone says that they want a low range voice that's raspy, I'm, I'm not giving it to you. Or if, if, it's, if the character's in their late 40s, no one's hiring me for that. I'm not getting that book because my voice sounds like I'm 17. So it's important <laughs> to put that information. I do. I sound like a kid. And I think it's because I hung out with teenage. I don't know, but I sound like a kid. Um, so it's important to know what you're looking for. And then you can take two different routes from here. You can search for a narrator somehow, or you can use the tools on these distributor websites to find your narrator. Now, one thing I always encourage, if you go onto Instagram and you do hashtag narrator, hashtag audiobook narrator. We're all out there just trying to narrator thirst trap you, trying to get you to come in, listen to our samples, and you can get a pretty good idea of who's out there if you just go to a hashtag, because that's why I'm hashtagging my work. I want random people to find me. So you can go that route for looking for your narrator. You can also go the route of auditions and casting through the distribution websites where they'll have They'll post it up and narrators will flock to the work and we will audition and then you can just listen. So there's two different routes there. You can either find them independently or you can look through the distributor. Once that's all taken care of, um, I kind of take the reins from there. It really becomes my show. You give me direction, you're the director, you give me a heads up what you want, what you're looking for. And um, maybe an idea of the different character voices and the attitude that I send out a worksheet for that when I'm first started. And then I take it 
do like a 15 minute sample, send it back to you, say, hey, does this sound good? You tell me yes or no, what you want to change, if there's any production issues or pronunciation issues. And then I take it from there. And I just go and I do the voices and I do the characters and it's up to the author how involved they wanna be at this point in the process. Um, so a lot of times you just kind of throw your hands up and say, all right, I trust you. It's hard to do, but here you go. Here's my book, do your thing. And then at the end, you listen to it. There are some people who like periodically to receive chapters or who want to hear sound bites for the different characters' voices. That's one thing I like to do is, is send, here's a sound bite for every single character I'm going to do. Does that sound like it fits? Um, for a recent book, I said, I, I did a voice and it sounded more like an Al Pacino. Mm -hmm. And I, they came back to me that the author came back to me and said, I was thinking more Tyler Durden from Fight Club. And I was like, enough said, like, you're just, you know, you don't know where I've been, Lou. I was like, you don't know. So like, you know, a little bit higher pitched and, and kind of like manic in the way he speaks and less like calculated. Uh, so that, that was really helpful feedback for me moving forward. Then I post it up. Um, I handle everything as far as I proof it. So I go through, make sure it matches exactly what it's supposed to be. I do all the recording. I do all the editing. Um, for my first 30 books, I edited everything myself, which was quite a learning curve because I did not know that was part of the job. So I thought an hour of audio was an hour of work, um, <laughs> but it's not. It's more like five or six hours of work when it's all said and done. Um, and then recently I started outsourcing. So that is something that I make clients aware. Hey, I outsource the audio editing. This much of the fee goes towards him. And you know what? It's just better than what I used to do by myself. I can do it fine, but it's just better. Um, and then he, he kicks it back to me. He also proofs it. So it's already been through two proofers at this point. Then we give it to you. You listen over it give feedback and let me know what needs to be changed. Hopefully not too much. Um, there was one book where I said a name wrong, probably 160 times. So that was unpleasant. <laughs> so, but you know what, I'm, I'm good enough with editing that I was able to go back and fix it. Um, and then, yeah, so from there, the distributors take over after you've approved and I do my pickups is what they're called. So if you have changes you need to make, if you have edits you need me to make, I go on, I do the pickups, you approve or you give me more pickups and then it goes through the distributor and the distributor will pass it out from there. Um, and it's up to you whether you want it to be exclusive on, um, if you go through ACX and you do their exclusive option, it's Audible, iTunes and Amazon are the only places that sell it. There's a few perks to that. There's also many downsides because for indie authors, libraries, and physical copies of CDs, interestingly enough, are huge. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's weird. So I just I just joined in um, with Audiobooks Unleashed. They're an independent distributor and they do physical CDs and they sell and they're expensive, but they sell, people want those. Um, so, you know, that, that's really where the distributor and the way that you share the rights comes into play, so. I Hopefully am I didn't fast talk that too much. <laughs> no, I am writing down a ton of 
Um, my son is like interrupting. Um, I'm writing down a ton of notes because I had no idea that people still listened to audiobook CDs. Um, yeah, that's like, I think my mind just blew a little bit. Um, so how, like roughly how long does it take from somebody contracting with you to um, you handing over a finished product? So I give myself a big window because I do still struggle with chronic illness and I have children who never leave this house right now. I actually have a babysitter just so I can be speaking to you for an hour because that just doesn't happen very easily. You know, you can hear them in the background um, fighting over Pokemon while I'm recording and I have to stop and yell and whatever. Um, So I usually give myself about a month to work on it. And that's a, that's a long time that that is a while, but that also gives time for, um, my editor to do the, to send things back to me and for me to squeeze in other projects as I will. I think overall, the amount of time I actually spend in the booth is probably about five working days total, but there's just a lot of extra that goes into it. Um, if you can get, you can get on and you can give a narrator a three month window if you're not rushing, um, just to, you know, get it out there, get your project in. If you don't even want the book to be done till December, but you want to lock in a narrator schedule, you can schedule it now. I, I would love that. That would be fantastic to have it scheduled that far in advance to work around. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's really helpful. So I just finished recording my first audiobook. Um, this is like first person nonfiction. So it's like, it is literally written in my sweary, sarcastic dick joke kind of <laughs> voice. So it would be very odd if somebody else narrated it, um, especially because I podcast. So And so I was like, you know, I like, I can't outsource that because it's so me. I don't know that anybody else would sound like me when they're, when they're narrating it. But, oh my God, like, it took so long. <laughs> I yes, cannot. Yes, it does. Like, and you even have the setup. You even have the equipment I for know. it. And it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. Like my wife made me a custom built audio booth. It looks like a phone Ooh, box, like, an, like a, a retro uh, old school, like phone, British phone box. And then like we carpet lined it. We put audio panels in it, all this like stuff. And um, yeah, it, 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 I'm, the funny thing, the thing that I found the funniest is that the actual recording in the booth almost didn't take that long. It was the bloody editing that took forever. Yeah. And like, I finished editing and I've got I'm almost embarrassed to show you like how many things I've got to go and correct like I'm like oh god and I used to do voiceover work for god's sake so yeah this is like not a small undertaking and you should all work with professionals because yeah as a non-professional I was yeah it was hard um and and your investment into it probably was as much as it would have cost for a narrator so you know there's quite an investment with building that booth and also like one thing I didn't mention was about the payment um because when a lot of narrators are just first getting started doing these indie books we'll take royalty share books but we're not making any money off of those. And that's been a high expectation of a lot of people say, well, I'm not paying you hourly. And I'm like, well, then I'm not doing the book because I'm not making anything off of this. And it's it's fine in some situations. If I see a book is doing well, I might do like a, a reduced rate, um, hourly rate in addition to royalty share now. But 
you know, I do know what I'm doing and I, I need to be compensated because like I, like you said, like I said, it can take five, six hours per hour of audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a I, lot. Yeah. Like my book is only 40,000 words and I think I've already sunk, I don't know, two full working weeks into it and I still have not finished like and and I'm really terrified like I learned so many lessons about narrating and um, I made the mistake so I started off standing to narrate and then my knees got really tired because I was in there for hours and um, so I put like a little stool in there but it changed how close I was to the mic and so I've popped a load of peas and I'm like like I literally probably have to re-record like two whole chapters and I'm just like oh <laughs> like there is so and many you don't hear it while you're doing it you don't no. know you're doing it until you go back and listen you're like, oh, this is garbage so <laughs> exactly so like I'm gonna go back and re-record like the worst ones and then I have to like listen to it back and the thing is as well this is another thing if anybody like decides to do first person uh non-fiction um when you listen to it, you need to listen to it in headphones because I started out editing on my computer. Just yeah. like, I know, like it's so mortifying. I've learned all these lessons. Like you have to edit with headphones because it sounds different in headphones than so, so many lessons. Basically, like I'm so 100% not doing my fiction. <laughs> so that was like I, I learned all those lessons while I was doing my royalty share books in the beginning. And you know what? You if I could have, I could have gone for an hourly rate, but the amount of time that I spent figuring out and re-recording and redoing, like, you don't have to compensate me for that time. That was, that was all, that was basically, I should have took a course on this. I didn't know what I was doing. And, and then I did take courses on it because I had to. <laughs> yeah. Right. I did also not, I was like, yeah, I used to have an agent. I did like voiceover work. Like it's going to be fine. It was not fine. <laughs> like it was trauma yeah, trying to get this done. <laughs> Uh, okay, right. So um, a few questions then about working with narrators. Like, is there any prep an author should do on their manuscript? Should an author like provide a, a, a like a book guide? Like what kind of stuff do you need um, uh, uh, to, to work best? So as a former English teacher, I think I kind of have a good process to myself which I'll walk you through a little bit. Um, and then also like how an author can provide that prep rather than having somebody do it. Cause everybody is not an English teacher. I made myself a graphic organizer worksheet to complete while I'm, while I'm, I'm recording and not everybody wants to do that. Um, so what I do when I establish a contract with uh, an author or rights holder, I will send out a welcome packet and kind of walk them through the steps and you know to all narrators they should definitely send out welcome packets because not everybody knows what this looks like and in it there's a little worksheet to complete about I ask are there any words that you might anticipate my struggling with pronouncing which I'll also go and do this myself Um, but are there any words that you can give me a phonetic spelling for or that maybe could be interpreted multiple ways as far as how they're said especially names Um, and then I ask them to give me just a few sentences, a few breakdowns of each of the main characters and a little bit about their personality, the tone that they would anticipate for them um, and kind of what's motivating them through the book. So I do ask that, I didn't ask that in the past, but that's something, it's just this little worksheet of, hey, 
here's some things that um, I'd like to go over with you. Then when I'm recording or when I'm prepping a book, I go through and I have, I annotate on my my iPad and I have a little Apple pencil and I go through and I mark up the text and I'm writing notes in the margin, I'm doing all that. And I'm highlighting each character's dialogue in a different color. So each character kind of gets their own color as I go through and I make notes as I go. And then I go back and I complete my own version of the worksheet with any words that I might not know how to pronounce or you know any specific um, sections that I'm not really sure if I, uh, if there's like a speaker tag missing, I'm like, who's saying this? Or if I'm not really sure of what the tone of a scene should be, I might ask that. Um, I also would ask the author to indicate, you know, you need to have about a five minute uh, clip that will be the retail sample. What do you see as being this clip? And if they can't come up with something, then that's something I'll keep in mind as I'm reading it. Oh, this page to this page might be a good clip. So that kind of helps me with getting started. So I have what the author says, what I say. What then makes just a good recently clip? I added, sorry, so, go ahead. Yes. So you're just talking about the clip. What makes a good clip? Just in case people like are thinking about that in, in approaching people. So I'm talking to authors and you guys are the ones who don't like to write the blurbs for the back of your books. Um, so <laughs> I know I know the, the, the feeling on that. Um, it's that, but in the audio version. So it's something that gives you an idea of the protagonist, maybe as we're like fighting towards the, um, like as we're going to like the rising action, going to the climax maybe, um, kind of getting an idea of what might be intriguing for this story. So the one that I'm recording right now, it's an apocalyptic book. It's really cool. Something I never thought I'd, I'd be recording, very sci-fi sort of adventure. Um, and the scene that I've pulled out is where the woman really feels the extent of the end of the world and, and the impact on the people around her. So it's not a high action scene, but it's really that like aha moment for that character early on in the book. Um, and I feel like that really explains as she's looking around and she's in a hospital and there's, you know, medical staff. It's, it's a very weird book that was written a year before the pandemic, but it's, um, it's not a weird book, but it's, it's strange that it's written a year before the pandemic. Yeah, it's because, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the medical staff is dropping dead around her and she's oh, like, gosh. what is happening? Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's awful from this pandemic that's occurring in this post, post-apocalyptic book. So I'd say it's, it's that. It's where you can really grasp what this conflict is for your protagonist. If not, the first five minutes. <laughs> just the first five minutes of the book. If you really struggle with that, there's so many authors who are like, just give me the first five minutes. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. That gives people an idea if they love or hate my voice. And, um, but unfortunately there's some books that I do multiple perspectives. So I always get cast in these books where I read from five, six different perspectives, you know, three of which are, are, are men. And, you know, if the book starts off with me doing the perspective of a man, we won't usually do that as the, as the clip because you got to kind of get used to my voice and then get used to my voice in different tones. Mm-hmm. So like a selfish question, just because I'm super curious. Sure. Um, obviously, well, once, so in books where there are lots of characters, you obviously mm-hmm. have to do all of these different voices. How do you 
keep track of or like remember or keep the consistency with all of the different voices? So one thing that I've just started doing because I didn't use to in the past, I could just keep track of them, but with multiple books and these books that go whole series wise, you need to be able to keep track of all these different voices. So I will get into character and just talk as that character for an audio sound clip and just like tell like, hey, this is me. This is my profile. This is a little bit about me. This is who I am. And I'll color code that to the color that they're highlighted in the book so I can go back and and listen to it. Now, I've reached a point where I kind of have like character names, like go-to voices. I'm like, and this is my Landon voice, and this is my Maverick voice, and this is this, and this is that. Um, and I just kind of am able to jump over into that. Um, but if if I'm away from it for too long, then those sound bites really help. So I just had this little rainbow colored, um, clip of audio where it's just all these different characters introducing themselves and their personality. I've also recently started sending these to my authors and saying, hey, does this sound like the characters? And that's where I got the feedback about Tyler Durden. And that really helped. Mm, that's so yeah. cool. <laughs> I am um, like, so as a, as a sort of ki a teen kid, I did a lot of like acting and, and performing and uh, I I'm like getting all giddy with excitement over like the performance factor. Um, and that was the thing that I loved doing in the booth was because to me, it feels like a performance. It feels like you're acting in the in the booth almost. Um, even even with nonfiction, it's still you're still giving a performance. You're still telling like a narrative story with the with the nonfiction. But yeah, this is like I'm excited. I love this skill that you have. I, I think it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. And it's I mean, it's something you could still do even if you don't do the editing part because. Like I'm at the point now where I don't, I don't edit my own stuff. Like I just get to do the fun performance stuff that gets me excited and that gets me into the booth and takes a lot less time. So it's just fun performing. Mm. Do you ever um, have to do different accents or do you stick with American? I do accents. I do. Um, and I'm pretty comfortable with like a British accent and an American Southern accent. Um, which I take in two different directions. I get like more of like a Louisiana and a more Texas sound. Um, I am working with other accents. I did one book where I did, I, I was surprised that there was large amounts of dialogue that the author didn't tell me was with an Irish accent. And I butchered the whole thing. I destroyed that. It was not good. And someone just commented, because uh, of course people, you know, love to offer up their negative criticism about the book someone just wrote on audible like never do this accent again you destroyed it the book is garbage. like they just completely oh and people do people will what did someone say someone once said like um she has a screechy disgusting voice ick that was, I was like okay <laughs> That is so that's, not that's true. I you. have listened to like many, many samples <laughs> of your voice and I absolutely love it. I just, the thing Thank that you. blows my mind is when you go from like, um, there was a more of a sort of like badass type female character. And then like, I'd hop over to Instagram and I'd be like, she's literally a Disney princess. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> like, you know? I don't ever know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> This is a new thing I'm trying. I'm trying to get some books with this accent. I'm just really trying. I want to do a bunch of children's books if they'll let me. 
god, I love it. I literally love it. I'm like giddy with excitement. Thank you. It's so cool. <laughs> Thank oh, you man. so much. All, all I can do is like swear better. <laughs> <laughs> swear better <laughs> laugh harder yeah. um oh, do you want me to do amazing. a few you want me to jump yes! to a few oh my god okay yes, please all right let me try so i'm a stand narrator because i am very active so let me see let me get standing okay so i'm gonna bounce between we're gonna start with samantha she's down here she really doesn't know what's going on in this world things aren't going that well for her and then we're going to switch to Harper because this is Harper and she talks like this. And this is the book I'm doing. She's just like this. And then we're going to go to Mark and he's, he's nervous. Like he's just, he's just nervous. He doesn't really know what he's doing. And then we're to Fiona and she's right here and she talks a lot like this. And then we're going to go to Tim and Tim, he is death embodied in human form. And then let's see the angel of Gabriel. Oh, let me see if I can get down to Gabriel. Gabriel is down here. He talks from way down deep and you don't really know what Gabriel's saying, but he has a lot of deep, deep, massive power from his voice. Well, I don't think I really got into the Gabriel there. I'm not really, I'm not really proud of that one. Um, and then we just have my standard male narration where I might, I'm Peter and I'm just going through my life and I don't know how to make it through everything that is happening to me. So those are the you perspectives are of there's <laughs> you are those are the perspectives I'm doing now. Brilliant. It's and amazing. I don't know if I did them as much justice because my booth is hot right now and I'm <laughs> not Harper really is my favorite. Character. Harper is my favorite she was fantastic she was she she is very much like she I imagine her in a teen YA that sort of like rebellious you know kind of kick-ass female <laughs> protagonist um yeah love love her uh oh, this is so fun thank you Harper's <laughs> my go-to that's my go-to when I do YA she's she's close to me my my actual voice the way that I'm talking right now would be my rom-com voice this is my romantic comedy voice uh but I take Harper a little bit more down here because she's just kind of here. So we, we go down it. just a little bit for Harper. <laughs> oh, this is so cool. I am, I, everyone's going to be like, oh my God, Sasha, calm the fuck down. But I'm just giddy and excited <laughs> because I just think this is so Well, that's okay. So cool. I'm, I'm, I'm giggling. I'm, I'm feeding off your energy. I love it. You're getting me so excited about what I do. <laughs> you, you should be excited because it's awesome. Um, All right. Thank so um, one of the questions I want to ask is, a bit cheeky but what makes like a bad working relationship so like what should indie authors not do to narrators um first of all don't don't tell me I'm not worth an hourly wage <laughs> so that has happened where people don't want to pay um and truth be told you you really get the book that you pay for it, you really do. Um, there are plenty of narrators out there who, you know, are just starting off, but you can hear that they're just starting off. And, and you know, you get to choose your, your price tier of, of where you want this to go. Um, Could you, and before you dive into more detail about um, yeah. the bad relationship, could you give a range? So what is sort of the starting prices versus somebody who's super experienced? So this is something that... Um, the union, so SAG-AFTRA is really kind of fighting for, it should be no less than 200 per finished hour. 
Um, and that's that's a basis. That's if if we're doing audio, if we're doing engineering, if we're doing everything like that, because if you I've, I've had people on ACX offer me $40 an hour. That's not even close to minimum wage for the amount of hours that I'm putting into it. And that doesn't even if I'm outsourcing, that doesn't even cover my engineer. Um, so industry standard is hovering around 200 as the minimum. You might go lower um, depending on the narrator. It can go upwards of 500. I'm not there. No one's paying me for that. Um, but, you know, industry standard, that that is kind of where we're talking as far as, you know, if I'm going to make a living off of this, that's about where it should be. Mm. Okay. So um, any other things that authors shouldn't do? Um, I guess over direct. Um, one thing that you really need to trust, you need to trust the narrator that you're working with that, you know, you, if you did a beautiful job of building characters, building tone, building suspense, then as a reader, I'll be able to interpret that through my voice. I'll be able to perform it. I'll be able to bring it to life. So that's something that you really need to trust that your narrator is capable of doing, that they're able to, you know, you're putting it into their hands and you can listen to it. Um, but, you know, nitpicking at, at the book too much, then maybe that's not the narrator for you mm -hmm. if you have to nitpick too much. So that's where I think it really, you have to really do your research with the narrator that you select and know that they're going to guide you through this process because ultimately we hold your hand and we say, I got this baby, it's okay, I'll help you. Um, and that we are going to go and do the work that we say we're going to do. And I don't mind doing check-ins. I've had some authors who are just like, throw their hands up, they're like, we trust you. And then I have some authors who want periodically to just hear a few things and I don't mind that. Um, but if I have to go back and re-record whole chapters or you tell me after the whole book is done that you don't like the way Peter is voiced, well, Peter's done. So like I did that part. Um, so that's where you really have to, your, your role is really heavily directing before it starts. Mm -hmm. So that's why establishing that relationship and getting that information out there. If you want to say something to the narrator, say it in advance, or that's what that 15 minute check-in is, or five minute check-in, whatever it is, that that first sample that we send that say, is this good? Do you trust me? And then you kind of pass it off to go with me. <laughs> okay. And so like one question that um, I didn't uh, give you in advance, in terms of like copyright, and payments. Can you just explain to listeners how um, the copyright, uh, where the copyright will lie uh, with somebody who pays outright per finished hour versus that royalty split? So royalty split, if you go through ACX, then I tech, I, I, I'm, I don't know if I can speak to this, but I technically, I can collect half of the royalties, but I don't have copyrights to the book, if that makes sense. Um, all you still have, you know, leadership over what's done with it. Um, but, you know, I do have those rights, half of those rights to collect the royalty share for seven years um, is the contract for royalty shares. And then you can choose to extend it or you can end it or buy out or I'm not sure what exactly what happens there. I haven't reached that point yet. 
Per finished hour, it's not mine anymore. If you pay me and I do the book, the only thing that you're agreeing to is that, well, you don't even really have to use the audio. If you you pay me and you say, I hate this book and I don't ever want it to go to publication, I would be devastated and probably never work with you again. But I have no control over that at that point um, because you've paid me and my my work is done. Um, now, there are some issues with, um, th- this is a whole different issue, but one, one of the fears in the voice acting industry is people can take samples of your voice and recreate it in its likeness. So, um, and make like whole bots based off of your voice. So that is something that in the contract, like you don't own the rights to my voice, but this piece that I've created for you from my voice, from my performance, it's, I don't own it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as um, sharing on social media, I ask. So I say, hey, can I post a sample of this? Can I post clips? Some authors don't want me to. Some authors do. Publishers, no, I can't. Um, that's theirs. That, that doesn't belong to me. I can't post because that's copyrighted material that they are in ownership of that I can't give sneak peeks and use it for my own benefit moving forward. Um, So yeah, so I can't post those samples if it's not approved, if if it's not an indie author who approves it for me to do. That's bonkers because that would, (laughs) some people follow narrators, like they literally, they will read the books that the Mm -hmm. narrators narrate and like that's just free marketing. (laughs) This is why traditional publishers are crumbling. Okay. (laughs) So I, I, I think, I think you can still post like the image of the book cover because obviously bookstagram exists. So you can post book covers, but I think it gets a little dicey when we're talking about the voice oh, yeah. for the audiobook. So I've never put any publisher books on my social media. Mad. Um, okay, so uh, let so you mentioned like series working. Is there anything different that an author should do? Any more information? Anything else that um, you know they should add when they're sort of you know coming to you and saying, I think you know I want you to do the whole series. I think the most helpful thing is to have access to the whole series manuscripts in advance. Um, So I'm working on a series now where I was, for the first two books, just doing one book at a time and reading one book at a time. Now I have access to all of them. You might find a detail out about a character, you know, three books in where they say that the character has a raspy voice and you haven't been giving them a raspy voice or that their motivation changes or that just any, any distinction that might change your interpretation of who that character is and how they're performed. So I think one thing that's really helpful is that. Now, you know, you need to make sure that you're locked in with that narrator before you go handing out all your books. You don't want to just give free books and say, hey, here's, you know, five, six books just for your reading pleasure. Um, but that is something that is very helpful. Um, and the one author I'm working with now, he gave me because it can get it gets a little complicated with like the time travel in this sci-fi book so he gives me like a note sheet for each book about you know uh, he gives me like a quick summary of what happened in the last one how it moves into the next one and um, a few essential details about the characters coming in and that's been so helpful that's that's been fantastic just having just the way that they all connect to each other mm. and then a, a general timeline is nice to know you know if you if it's July and you want the whole series done in three, four months, chances are that's not happening. Um, so timeline is really big about your expectation with that. And one thing I forgot to say about timeline is 
once I send the book to the distributor, it can take several weeks to a month or even longer before that actually goes to publication. Mm. But as far as my end, I usually do about a month. Yeah, oh, so it, it usually just helps to have just the communication about the whole series rather than the individual book itself mm-hmm. is helpful for me. Okay, so I, I'm going to ask now a little bit about narrating itself. So like if there are authors who want to do like like I have just done my own nonfiction, are there is there any bits of advice you could give them about narrating? And I guess like more on the performance side rather than the technical side. Um, one thing is definitely pacing. So, you know, I am, I'm a very fast talker when I speak, uh, but you need to make sure your pacing is appropriate for when you're reading. Uh, people often go way too fast and then your listener can't keep up or they slow it down to a pace that I, I just found out that people do this. People will bump up their audiobook speed to like two times its normal speed because they don't like how slow narrators read. So you really have to find that sweet spot of your pacing and what sounds comfortable there. The other thing that you need, need, need to know that we've already talked about is how is this book getting edited? Are you doing it or is somebody else doing it? Because that completely gets overlooked. I overlooked that when I first got into this business, didn't know what I was doing. And you need to know how it's getting from your book, your mouth to audible. Because there are standards, there are requirements and specs that your your audio has to meet. And you don't want to find out after it's all recorded that it's not meeting those specs. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you just, um, there are plenty of things out there where you can contact an engineer, send them a sample. And for like 15, 20 bucks, they'll evaluate your sample and tell you, I just learned about this. They'll, they'll evaluate your sample and tell you what you need to modify in your booth, what you need to modify about your spacing from your equipment, what you need to do uh, possibly in regards to editing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, just having that, and even I I know a lot of people who, when you are doing your setup, when you're setting up your booth, hiring an engineer to come in and look at your setup. Mm -hmm. Um, So all these things that you can do. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, I did exactly that. I hired somebody for an hour of their time to um, faff around with uh, listening to the like some of the samples that I did. Um, Learned a very big lesson. This is so (laughs) embarrassing. I'm like confessing all the shit that I fucked up. I had the mic the wrong way around. (laughs) Do do you know how many narrators do that? (laughs) There's a whole like forum on the on the narrators forum that's just going into like hey, you want to know how to solve all those problems? You've done 10 books that are backwards. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me check, make sure mine's, mine's, mine's facing the right way. I'm like, oh my God, let me check. It was mortifying. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> there is but, a right and, way And route? it's those things you would never know. And so, you know, pay someone for their expertise. It's so worth it to save so you the time it. and to give you an idea. And they might even tell you like, you know, maybe, maybe try hiring someone to do this. Like if, if you can't get your setup to where it is, at least you like know that in advance. And so it's just, it's just really helpful to have that. Um, especially from the audio engineer side, because they just, they, they know what they're doing and they're mm-hmm. so much better at it. <laughs> exactly. I'm paying the same person to do the mastering. 
Mm -hmm. um just because I was like there is no point in me doing this what they did say is that they were very impressed with my wife's audio booth because the baseline sound quality or something it was like so quiet um yeah I know right I was very excited that's your RMS level (laughs) yeah oh yeah there we go that was it yeah um however doesn't save me from the fucking barking dogs or the car trucks driving past nothing seems to stop those No, there's always like, so, and then the noise floors. So like right now, actually, I actually have my air conditioner on, but it's not going in here because it's not like a, you know, weather treated room. Um, But I'll always get kids screaming outside in the yard or I'll get trains, so many trains. I didn't know I I lived so close to a train track and so like I started recording. And it's just those those vibrations come up from the ground and just sneak in there and like, oh, yeah, right. okay. all the belly grumbles cool. which you think are quiet and they're not because the mics are <laughs> yes. so bloody powerful. No, oh my goodness, they're so loud. The, the belly grumbles, they're so loud. And then like whatever, like gurgle. Sometimes when you open your mouth, your your throat will gurgle a little. Like you're like, what is that noise? <laughs> yeah, I have like this, like I don't know. It's like a popping clicking clacking type of sound that's like mm-hmm. when I open my and I like I'm like what what is that like and I can see the shape on the bloody waveforms it drives me insane mm-hmm. it's and I'm like oh, you really you really did get into this editing you're starting to see the shapes you know oh yeah good for you yeah yeah well it's easy <laughs> it, well, so it, like you see the like when you make a mistake I click and so you see the spike and you know where you've got to correct and breaths all have the well my breathing seems to have all the same shape anyway <laughs> so like I'm always like no oh, they do and the, and the the spit like this the mouth noises I actually have a lot of mouth noises um and I know it's because of the medication I'm on for my my chronic issue um so that is something that post-production they they do they remove it because I I have a I have a spitty mouth <laughs> yeah it drives me nuts that's the one thing I'm like I I feel like I want to email because it's taking me so long to try and get rid of it that I'm like there has to be a more effective way of doing this um there is I'll try to send you something oh okay thank you <laughs> because I'm You're like welcome. should I just re-record I know obviously <laughs> like uh I, I listened to um uh, Laurie someone or other who did a, a storyteller how to narrate something or other audiobook and she was like don't drink okay. milk don't drink yeah. don't eat chocolate and I was like but that like, no peanut butter yeah mm-hmm. anything that makes not not much caffeine mm-hmm. 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 all the good shit right just like basically yeah yeah be a saint <laughs> everything you want to start your morning with yeah, just don't. don't like they always complain if you're going to work with a publisher and they see you with a cup of coffee in your hand they're like oh cool yeah cool what are you doing like we, yeah, you just made our job harder so yeah. thanks like <laughs> yeah cheers for that oh amazing um I have been so engrossed in talking to you I've lost track of where I am on the questions that literally never <laughs> happens um okay well, I'm so, enjoying myself oh thanks um okay so uh yeah I mean I suppose what are like the core mistakes you see either narrators making or or maybe lessons that you've learned over the years or maybe authors making with narrators um, okay, so mistakes. What mistakes? Um, I one thing that I really I, I can't harp enough about the the sound quality. So even if you're hiring a narrator who just started and you've worked out a, a different pay rate than you know one that I might ask for, 
Um, when you get that 15 minutes, or if we're talking ACX, if we're going through the audiobook creation exchange, when you get that initial sound clip, I highly recommend running it through um, and seeing if it meets the um, audio specs of what ACX is asking for or what the different industry standards are. And there's something called sec, ooh, second opinion, second chance. Oh, I can't remember what it is. Um, it's, oh, it's second opinion. And it's just this free plugin um, where, or, or little download that you can get. Um, and you can run the audio through and it tells you whether it meets those specs or not. I use it on myself. And that's one thing that even if you, you know, don't have the most experienced narrator, or if you're doing it yourself, you just need to know when I submit this, will they accept it? Or are they going to kick it back? And that mm -hmm. thing, it's second opinion. And I think it's by Stephen Cohen, I think is his name. He's a narrator and he, he made it for other narrators, um, but also authors can use it. It's, it's at your disposal to check, to make sure uh, that things are meeting those specifications and new narrators to check to meet those specifications because that's just you know important to have mm -hmm. yeah I think that's fantastic there is another one uh with audacity I think it is there's a, yes. a an ACX plugin that you can check uh with audacity yes, there is. uh but it's always worth double checking the specs anyway because I know that they have they do change over the years so yeah yeah um amazing well, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. Okay, so think about this. I'm going to give you one when I was younger and then one when I'm older. I don't have a specific story to tell. But when I was in high school, uh, my I wanted to go to a vocational school. Um, so it was a vocational technical school where you do you learn a trade. Um, and my dad made a joke, not a, it wasn't a joke. My dad said, oh, you're not just going to school. You're too smart to go for cosmetology or something. I was like, well, you know what? I'll do you one better. I'll go for auto body. So I went to high school for painting cars. Um, that is amazing. So I, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So I actually, my husband, we've been together for 17 years. And my senior project, my last year of high school, I restored an old car for him and painted it. Just the outside. I don't know how to do engine work. I just made it cute. I just made it look good. And I forget that. I forget that. So uh, that was pretty cool. I that is that I did very that. cool. That is very <laughs> cool. I love that. Thanks. And then I feel like, I feel like I'm sticking it to my chronic illness every day um, by rebelling against it and saying, you're not going to hold me down. You're not going to keep me from a job. I may be on disability still. I may not be able to teach, but I'm getting books out there to the masses. I'm actually reaching more people, children, adults alike. I'm still sharing literature in some way. So I just feel like I'm kind of rebelling against that it's exhausting and it's tough uh, because I don't feel well a lot but I'm really pushing through it and saying I'm going to take control of my life and I'm going to do something I want to do and so that's my little rebelling against chronic illness because it's not great <laughs> no I love that so much my wife has chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia and she oh, um okay. still works and like you know sometimes it's awful because I can see in her face like <clears throat> how sick she is and yet she also it feels very much like you know shoving a big fuck you to the illness and being like you oh, yeah I'm not gonna be beaten by you and I love that fight 
in her like that's one of the things I love about her is she just keeps fighting and fighting and fighting and yeah like all respect to you for that as well so thank you so much for your time today would you like to tell everyone where they can find out more about you your audiobooks um anything else like you would like to add how can they contact you Yes, thank you. And thank you for having me. Um, uh, my website is just jillianyetter.com. Uh, so if you get on there, you can see my profile, learn a little bit about me, get some samples. There's several audio samples on there, probably about 13. And they're all uh, labeled by different uh, genres and what's going on in them. So it's really easy to access. Then there's an author page where you can learn a little bit more about you know, how I work with authors. And there's a little form on there if you like what you hear and you're curious about, okay, how much would it cost to do a book and what does this process entail? There's an audiobook inquiry button on there where you can just click and you can submit that form or there's also a contact me, just shoot me an email with any questions, it's fine. Also, I'm very active on Instagram. If you just search my name, Jillian Yetter, I'll pop up. Lots of samples on there, lots of TikTok videos. Um, doing different voices and everything. I haven't been very active the past few weeks, um, but I'm, I'm usually on there and there's a lot of good information um, that way. So if you want to learn more about me, yeah, just type my name into a search bar and I'll pop up. Fantastic. And I will, of course, put all of those links into the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And of course, a gigantic thank you to all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, as well as joining me for Poison and Prose evenings, listening to my own very sweary outtakes from my audiobook, then you can do so by uh, visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And of course, a big thank you to everybody listening. I'm Sasha Black, you are listening to Gillian Yetta, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. That's it. I hope you enjoyed my giddy, excited, childish self uh, uh, getting very excited talking to Gillian and uh, all of the possibilities for audiobooks. I have to say, I have been practicing voices, um, and maybe if I pluck up the, the 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 vagina of steel that is needed to share it, I might record some and share them uh, with patrons. I'm not sure yet. I'm not making any promises because they still need some work and some development. But uh, yeah, suffice to say, I have been practicing. So we shall see. Uh, next week, I am talking to Karen Inglis. She is phenomenal. She is a children's and indie author, a children's indie author, um, children's book, I should say. Children's author. Oh my goodness me. What are words? Clearly I'm very excited still. Anyway, I'm talking to Karen Inglis next week all about how to market a children's book. It is a fantastic episode. She has a book, um, I believe it's the same name I think how to market a children's book uh, and uh, it was recently released or the second edition was released this year and she gave me a ton of ideas uh, both in the episode and also after the episode which uh, I will talk about these are some of these things that I want to do that are on my list that I haven't uh, been able to get to just yet so yes join me next week for that and uh, have a good writing week I will see you next week Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.